Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! I'm wearing thin Italian trousers on the inside, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Oh, what the fuck was he on about? Anyway, hello, I'm Richard. With me to form a podcast is Abby. Hello. Anthony. Well, I should rub a dub. Rub a dub, indeed. <laughs> and uh, old fucking Oscar Wilde himself, Jamie. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Still don't understand why that's the tagline for the film. Whoops! Yeah, Whoops. it makes Not it sound only like that, but you have like Burton and Rex Harrison just kind of like prancing with their legs up on the poster as well. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I, the gay deceivers should have had the tagline. Whoops! <laughs> yeah. But yes, this week we are going to discuss the film Staircase. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. For I mean, this sort of business, I've no idea why staircase. It's the metaphor for this. It's I'm confused and odd. It is. I guess we'll get into the why. Perhaps it's called that. I mean, it could have just been called the long gay squabble. That's what I would have called it. <laughs> but um, yeah, staircase. Uh, it was Anthony's pick. Uh, so I guess we'll hand over to him to give the details, and uh, we'll get to the reason we did it after that. I guess. Okay, so uh, Staircase, and not The Staircase, which is another film on Netflix, um, was released in 1969 and is a comedy drama uh, about a gay couple, Harry and Charles, uh, who own uh, hairdressers in the East End and who have a volatile relationship, (laughs) which is further thrown into turmoil when Harry... Yeah, yeah, Harry is about to be put on trial for wearing drag in public. Uh, it was directed by Stanley Donan, um, who's mostly known for directing quite uh, big um, Hollywood musicals, like On the Town, Singing in the Rain, uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, uh, written by Charles Dyer, uh, based on his own two-man play of the same name. And the film stars Richard Burton, Rex Harrison, Beatrix Lemon. Uh, Kathleen Nesbitt and Stephen Lewis. Yeah, I mean, you could have just said the other tagline, other than whoops, to explain it, which is a sad gay story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, am I right in thinking the reason you picked this was looking for Richard Burt movies to take a look at? Yeah, so we were discussing off podcast about things and it came up that. We've had two Richard Burton films on here before, uh, Candy and The Exorcist 2. Hmm. <laughs> and we, it felt a bit unfair, like, that the greatest kind of, like, Welsh actor we have. Hey, hang uh, on now. Hang, whoa, than, whoa, 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 whoa. Anthony Hopkins is probably fine with you saying that, because he's quite nice, but there's, there's, I mean... I'm not letting Christian Bale go either. I mean, Richard Burton is definitely a great Welsh actor, but ah, uh, Christian Bale though. I'm claiming him. I don't think I don't think Christian Bale's technically Welsh. Yeah, I think he <sighs> he just lived in potato. Wales. Uh, Catherine Zeta Jones then. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> Abby. Who Gavin? Like like a modern guy like 
Um, Eglund, wait. what's his name? Sheen. Sheen. Oh, Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Jamie said that. Yeah, like. Let's. What right do we go by? Because he's doing really well. Hey, let's hey, just be. Yeah, let's just say. <laughs> Richard Burton. Yeah. And because he is a fellow Welshman, like all of us, we kind of wanted to represent him slightly better. <laughs> and so we failed. For a yeah. better performance, <laughs> Oops. a better film. And then I came across this, which <laughs> does exactly that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it didn't look like it was going to be that much of a film of quality. Or, and there was potential for it to be a weird, if not bad, performance again by Richard Burton. But I I think we all kind of unanimously agree that this had to happen. So Yeah, it was it so, Yeah. Okay. Richard Burton, Rex Harrison, gay couple, and then you just hear a little bit of the premise, and you're like, Oh yeah, this yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yes, please. Um, in in yeah. fairness not not to get ahead of myself. But Richard Burton is good in this. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's not that it's um, it's not candy, it's like awful and questionable. It's just this um, too. To be fair, he was not uh, on his A game in that one. Talking about the flames. Right. <laughs> yeah. well, he's he's not bad in anything. I mean, I like him in Candy. Like I like his sort of neat yeah, speech he... and all that shit. But um, yeah, he's definitely a highlight. Yeah. Like um, I just yeah, I guess I think partly it's just a well, what bloody films has Richard Burton done that are like gems? I guess like I don't know, like I don't know Zulu, that's quite good, and uh, I don't know, like you know, there's not loads of Richard Burton movies I love particularly. I mm. always like him. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Haven't seen that one. I do want to. Mm. Abby, you, you, uh, I mean, I've seen, actually, Rex Harrison in, like, Doctor Doolittle, right? He's in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abby, are you, what just, are you... The, the things that we've seen uh, Richard Burton in are all weirdly gay. Um. And I don't know, it's like, because we haven't two. seen enough, I don't know how much of a coincidence <laughs> that is. I don't know, how are you, I mean, I don't know if he's that. Like this sporting life. That was weirdly gay. Well, yeah. And in... I guess in Candy, he was just weird. Yeah, he was straight in that. Just, yeah, weird, yeah. Those are the only three I can think of off the top of my head. I was in Equus, too. I mean, he's been in tons of stuff. Yeah. But I think uh, Rex Harrison then... Doctor Doolittle's the most fair. The sixties Doctor Doolittle that is. Um, and I, I've seen a shanty with him in. Um, they were both in Cleopatra, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Have I I've seen that one? I don't know. I've seen a Cleopatra. There's only there's one famous one in there. Mm. It's quite a big I mean, epic, isn't it? I mean, all epics are big. Bad films, just mm. generally. So. Like, ah, that's why it's all skewed like crap yeah. <laughs> when people turn up in there. <laughs> anyway, so you hadn't seen this, Anthony, is that right? Oh, obviously you hadn't seen it because you didn't no, know what it was. Uh, so just a pure speculative 
was there any other was there any other facet to this that sort of grabbed your interest? Not particularly. I mean, it... not a big hairdresser <laughs> fan. <laughs> just one look at the poster, and you're like, yes. Sure. I mean, it, it is great because they're both uh, like, I don't know, holding hands and then kicking up one leg, and you go, "What is this about?" And it, we like technically we're falling into the trap of posters and trailers where, oh, they'll see these actors and they'll go. But for us, it's always, oh, but that's a particular combination of actors in a really interesting setting. And the and the tagline, whoops. <laughs> I mean the, the the poster and the tagline just make it look like it could also be called "Carry On Up the Ass." Like it's, <laughs> it's not. Like it looks, it looks like a comedy. It looks like a raunchy '60s British comedy where the joke is that they're gay. Like and that's it. Like, and I was really surprised once it got going that it was like, oh, this is like kind of dark and upsetting but like also the humour is too broad so it doesn't quite work Sorry. Times when I just didn't know if they were being from the 60s, is that, is that a joke or is that just how people talk that was one of the things that I was gonna I had to talk about was that like the dialogue because this is based on a play and the dialogue is very like theatrical, like on stage in person theatrical and Apparently it's a two-man play, so like it is just these two characters throwing these barbs back at each other, and like the story emerges through the dialogue. And I think that's one of the things that actually hurts the film quite a lot. Well, you could tell it's based on a play because it is a two-man show, basically. I mean, they only yeah. really throw in an actress to play the mum, and we do. I mean, you see people they meet, but also, I mean, to have a have like a barber shop where no one fucking comes, it's not very interesting. Yeah. They just cut each other's hair, or shave each other's faces. They cut each other's hair, and one of them doesn't have any, so it doesn't take long at all. Yeah, yeah but they do a bit of aftershave like, stuff, don't they, really? There's a lot going on in this film. Yeah, but so none of, none of us have got any uh, background of this. We've all start, we all, we covered a little bit, you know, what Richard Burton and stuff we'd seen, but so none of us, have, there's nothing else anyone was expecting other than what the fuck is this. <laughs> Pretty um, much. So That's I'm... also kind of how I ended with it. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I like, I like the the poster in explanation for why they're doing the the leg kicking up thing. It's because Rex Harrison's character is in an advert for like a court a oh, court yeah. or something, and they, they and they say, "Oh, it's on TV," and they watch the advert, and then in excitement afterwards, they just get up, hold hands, and kick a leg up, and you go, "What? <laughs> what was that? Sorry." <laughs> okay, normal reaction. To being famous a little bit, that's so yeah. I just I would have been an advert now, so I can join hands with people and go, hey, does my advert you need to do that anyway? Just it's not the same if you're not celebrating a minor success. I suppose I could just just in celebration of anything. Anyway, this this is literally just about two people <laughs> arguing. Um, I, I, it felt it felt felt like oh this is like a. Uh, a very personal story about real people or based in reality because the characters are so specific and they have such a particular way with each other that it felt like maybe this is based on someone's actual life and I guess it, it could well have been if someone wrote a play about it and 
whatnot. I think that is. I know. I think the characters, uh, Charles and Harry, are named after, like the playwright himself, uh, Charles Dyer, and um, then another one is an anagram of his name or something like so it's it definitely feels like it's based on to an extent at least personal experiences yeah and it, it's i guess the unique thing about it is so we're going all the way back to 1969 maybe a bit before if it, you know uh, in terms of setting but like it's when when was homosexuality legalized in the uk anyone That's an excellent question I have no idea. Well, it's not that helpful. None of us needed to worry about it because probably <laughs> more recently than uh, we'd like to think. I think it was the seventies. There you go. See. So you know we're talking homosexuality is illegal, but you know common, not commonplace, but like accepted within the parameters of as long as it's behind closed doors and you don't tell any yeah. Catholics about it. Like, so gay people can be gay, but it's openly gay is weird, or at least made fun of in t- on television uh, for years to come. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of weird to have, like, a story, I mean, a, a whole film about a gay couple when it's actually illegal, and part of the plot is about basically just getting done for cross-dressing. <laughs> Which is such a weird, like, you, do they arrest, like, in the 60s, were people getting falsely accused because they were Scottish and wearing a kilt, and, like, there seemed to be a defence of, I was just having a laugh, mate, it wasn't real, I wasn't really gay. <laughs> well, I was, yeah, you know what the British people are like. All of them will cross-dress at the drop of a hat. <laughs> my, my parents yes. did. My parents, like, entered competitions when they were young, not young. I mean, they were, at like, you know holidays and stuff where they would like the competition would be all the husbands and wives switch clothes and you're like ah oh, ha 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 so British people love cross-dressing so it seemed rather hypocritical to have one of the characters like get a summons to court from a police officer for being seen uh, dressed up as a woman or something wasn't it? Were they, did they used to raid pantomimes? <laughs> <laughs> It's not me, Governor. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, He's behind you. Oh, ooh, like I'll say. This, yeah. like, like awful old British humour about gay people, where it's all just that one guy from Are You Being Served? Yeah, just the, the that's the the key to all gay related British humour is say everything that implies dry bumming without saying dry bumming. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like like more tea vicar, fucking sausages, bend over, ooh, not like that. Like literally, you could say anything, basically. Uh, How do you like your eggs? Oh, over easy. Oh, I bet you do. Like you could, like just 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 wink and a nudge, and it's already gay as far as British people are concerned. But uh, yeah, it was interesting to go back and do like a kind of kitchen sink drama, comedy ish. Oh, it's not really a comedy. It's just sort of catty. It's it's a weird one because I mentioned earlier that one of Burton's like better known films is the film version of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, um, and this does kind of like it's not the same, but it has that uh, you know two two people together in a very kind of intense uh, kind of bickering 
but also clearly very like strong i guess strong maybe not the right word like just two people in a very intense relationship kind of going back and forth between you know fighting with each other but not being able to get away from each other yeah cuz it's essentially like a middle-aged uh gay marriage without the marriage and in a time where gayness is sort of still hugely stigmatized but yeah yeah so anthony were you when the, when this uh, started going were you like oh is this is were you like ooh yeah yeah comedy or were you thinking god this is weird well where were you and at when it started you know unfurling in front of you oh not like that <laughs> well i did come into this thinking it would be much more of a comedy i will admit yeah because like going, going, the poster alone is kind of making it seem like a camp comedy kind of thing um but then it, it it was obvious fairly early on it was going to be like a kitchen sink drama and once once i accepted that it was it was fine it's like okay i know what i'm in for um it's fine although mm. it does start with two men in drag kind of like singing a song about a staircase mm. yeah which kind of was... throws you at the beginning i thought there would be more of that like i i was expecting because that's such an that's such a a choice like it's like oh we're setting up a cabaret story or something yeah or if or if they were they were almost like a greek chorus kind of thing where certain points in the story would cut back to these two characters like they'd sing a different song about a different thing yeah yeah but no it just is at the start and then is completely dropped yeah and then what was it like the first thing you see then is like someone digging a grave (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whilst singing. Oh, after the horrible title opening sequence. title sequence. Oh yes. The oh, like, title sequence. Yeah, it's really unpleasant and like. Uh, also, music by Dudley Moore, which was, yeah, that was odd. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we go, we go from yeah cabaret. Gen- what looked like could have been a genuine uh, drag act singing. I they looked. Oh, not that they, I don't know, they didn't convincingly look like women, but they convincingly looked like, oh, these guys might have actually been drag from the time. Yeah, they they performed in a way that it seemed like they were experienced doing that very specific type of performance that, that yeah. uh, drag acts usually do. And you, you kind of assume, oh, well, shouldn't that be the main characters then? And you're like, no, they're just... Well, that's what I, like, that, that's what I mean about the Greek chorus thing, though. It's, it's, like, it's almost like the, uh, the gospel singers in uh not gospel just the, the, the singers in um little shop of horrors oh like the disney's hercules where they're like the greek pots chip yeah. in occasionally yeah and they pop in every now and again and like tell the story through like different snippets of songs and i gotta say uh i mean obviously the title is staircase but the song they were singing which is all of the lyrics about staircases I don't know if it was about like getting older, life being a staircase, and needing company on them. I don't know what the fuck was happening. It was a, it was a shit song, it and I do not do not know what it was about. It, like the like, there's dialogue about staircases, and there is a staircase that is quite prominent in some of the scenes. Um, you know, because they have the the their little kind of uh, hairdressers 
place downstairs and then they live above it. Um, and there's one towards the end, there's one very like specifically shot sequence of Richard Burton coming downstairs and you don't see, uh, I guess we'll get to that like element of the story, but like, it seems to like the, the staircase thing does pop up, but it's hard to tell what is actually like what it is representing or what it's trying to say with the idea. Mm. Abby, you were saying you didn't follow it. Did you? What, what did you? What any clues that you picked up on anything? You know, like you'd like to bash around. Maybe we'll get somewhere. Well, the song at the beginning inferred that life's a staircase and you you need someone on it with you, but mm. it's it's a really it's just not conveyed very well. Like how it works as a metaphor, where it's like because they say that you can reach the top, and it's like well, surely if you reach the top, that means you die. Yeah, right? and, and who the fuck? Other than you know, people, other than disabled people, you don't need two people to climb a staircase. That's a one person job. What what are we, what are we saying? <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't know. know. You have remind you've reminded me about that Simpsons joke about the uh, uh, escalator to nowhere, with the episode ending with people just going all the way up this escalator and then just dropping off to their death. <laughs> Maybe that was the metaphor. I don't know. So, yeah, so, okay, so the general premise, though, is, uh, where are we, London or suburbs somewhere? Yes, yes, London. Yeah. Uh, hence the occasional rhyming slang, like fucking rubber dub being used. And if, what's weird is, I think rubber dub is Cockney rhyming slang for pub, but the, the, he, the guy who says that, well, what's he say, like, uh, uh, I should rubber dub. I should rubber dub. I was like, "What? You should pub? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, it didn't even honestly he just, I, verbal tick I, or something." Well, yeah, he d- that's it took me like Rex Harrison's performance in this film is really strange. Um, apparently, he hated this movie, and I'm wondering, like, <laughs> was it just a homophobe? I mean, <laughs> well, like, he wouldn't have said yes to the part if he had some sort of problem with the role. It's well, maybe because it is also a very good. Especially for the time, like it's, it, it would have potentially been a badge as an actor to be like, you know, I was in this. If the film hadn't flopped, you know, I was in this very brave role or whatever, like the, the broke back mountain of the of the UK. In the the broke back barber. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't it say at the beginning that it was originally done by RSC as well? I, I mean, he was prestigious see... in that way. Yeah, and I can see the the because like. Uh, there were sequences, especially early on, where I was getting really frustrated with the dialogue, and it took a while to realise it isn't the dialogue, it's the way Harrison specifically is delivering it. It's like he's rushing through all of his lines, like he doesn't want to say them, and like all of the, like, like the character clearly has a, a, a verbal tick where he repeats himself um, and says the same thing or similar things over and over again. But, like, the bizarre delivery that Harrison does just makes it really confusing when he talks. Whereas, like, Burton does quite a... Like, he does a, he, he does a very campy... You know, Slightly kind of feminine, but not... Campy, yeah. Just, like... But also, like, yeah. he, he does still invest something in the character, like... He's playing a stereotype, but at the same time, there is some there is something to that character, 
Whereas it, it does, it, it there's a there's a discomfort with the part that really like comes across through Rex Harrison. Yeah, maybe if he was I, disinterested, he, he wouldn't have tried so hard. I definitely felt that at the start, um, mainly for the reasons you give as well. I think like he didn't quite. He just wasn't right with, for like, it. With like the repeating stuff, I don't know about right for it, but like with the the repeating stuff thing, it didn't. When he was saying it, it didn't feel natural. It didn't. You know, like it. He didn't make sense of it for him like yeah, if the yeah. person it was based on was like that they might have done it in a way that seemed absolutely natural and normal but when he was doing it it felt like an affectation didn't it it was yeah it, it, there were times where it felt like he was saying dialogue from a script rather than speaking like because like when he when he natural. repeats like he says a lot um god save us and oscar wilde which i don't know what that means i why you? I'll save you, but also Oscar Wilde because Oscar Wilde's a great gay icon, I guess. But he, he, that phrase and well, I I should rub a dub or whatever. And you go, okay, this is like a weird guy, and he he says mate at the end of sentences a lot, and he has lots of these verbal repetitions and and catchphrases and just slang that is probably quite dated now. Um, yeah. And you go, okay, that's a character thing, but. It does need to, like, sort of make sense of the person, and it didn't. It didn't fully feel correct. Whereas Richard Burton, he also, you know, he's camp or or a little bit. Uh, I don't know, like, yeah, it's not even the campness so much a, as he's effeminate. Yeah, effeminate, like gay stereotype way. But he, he's still playing like it feels more realistic, like, doesn't he? Yeah, he comes across as a, an actual human person, like. When I... Love. Divorcing it from. Oh, go on! I was just going to repeat myself. Repeat what myself. What I loved is that he was using his natural Welsh huffiness to his advantage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Get your poody on. Just, yeah, I just have a poody makes it just oh grumpy gay. Which grumpy gay? We'll be let's be honest. Welsh men can a lot of the time come across as being quite grumpy effeminate. I don't come across as grumpy or effeminate. I don't know what you're talking about, frankly. <laughs> you're out of line. Excuse me. Excuse me, but what what that is, is it's the poetry in our hearts. <laughs> You've hurt my feelings and now I'm dead on a rock. Lyricism <laughs> of our language. How very dare you, Abigail. <laughs> but, um, it's, um, Rex Harrison's delivery in this film almost makes it seem like he's an American actor trying to play a British gay man. Yeah. But, like, I actually went and checked on his, like, IMDb to see where he, like, grew up. Which is really, like... I don't know, that just that's a very bizarre, like, thing to come across from a British actor in a very British film. Yeah, I, I wasn't thinking he wasn't British, but I, I did feel... I, I mean, maybe it's just the character is a bit more aloof. Like, Richard Burton seems to be a bit more needy, and Rex Harrison wants to be a bit more casual, a bit more, oh, you know, don't worry about life and stuff. Whereas Richard Burton is more of a worrier. Like, the part of their domestic relationship is uh, Richard Burton is the, the kind of cook and the scullery maid and the mm-hmm. and the more fills the more female role. And Rex is a bit more like uh, 
you know, he at one point he brings back uh, Blakey from on the buses with amazing blonde hair. Oh, fuck, I knew I recognised him. I, I, for, I, for a while I was looking at him going, God, he looks a little bit like Blakey from on the buses. <laughs> Wait, 60s, do the maths, a bit younger. Oh, my God. Uh, did, like, did it seem to anyone else as well that the majority of Rex Harrison's dialogue had been redubbed? Whereas, like, a lot of the outdoor scenes, they had both been, um, like, ADR'd. But a lot of the indoor scenes seemed like Burton's delivery was on set. Whereas, like, Rex Harrison was um, dubbed later because his, like, some of his delivery and stuff didn't match the, like, physical, uh, like, the way he was acting. I can't say I noticed it in like, the indoor scenes that much. I definitely noticed it in the outdoor scenes. Um, I don't know, maybe there was a a thing with his performance which they wanted to change. Because listening to the dialogue, I couldn't help but think that a, an even camper person was in mind when it was written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if, like, Perhaps he was a bit more camp on his like original performance and then overdubbed it. They were like, oh, this is too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe it wasn't that he was homophobic. Maybe it was that he relished it so much that they had to go back and tone it down. <laughs> I, I, um, I would say you'd think perhaps he would, as a straight person, wouldn't want to be typecast or maybe he didn't see any artistic validity in it. We can't really say what he would have objected to. Because it's definitely like, oh, this will be a worthy piece. But it could also be like a like people could think you're pretentious or a bit more, uh, mm. a bit more of a lovey than you are or something. And he, maybe he would had uh, in mind like his career would be affected in a negative way by being associated with it if he wasn't a lot of people happy. At the time, I think didn't like it that much and uh, thought of it more of a kind of like a stunt film with like stunt with stunt. What sorry. Casting. It, it does feel like that a little bit. It feels it feels like something. I don't I don't. It de- it definitely has a vibe of. Look, we're being so risque, doing a proper like story about gay people who are openly gay. But I don't know. It felt it felt like. Uh, it was supposed to be more. Like it, it felt like it should have. It wanted to be a big hit success for being so edgy but actually what it boils down to is quite a miserable plot about two people who hate each other but love each other <laughs> i don't know I, was... I think that's the thing they wouldn't have said it was stunt casting if the chemistry between them had been better yeah maybe but then that like i don't think those two characters ever i don't think the characters like could love each other genuinely because they have such a strange relationship i, I don't know we'll, we'll get into it as, as when certain scenes it, it's more pr- obvious because you could talk about it clearly but essentially it's a story of two barbers and the life they live in over a space of a few days and we're slowly getting to know who they are as people so there's a few little things to give you a flavor of like their whole lives and then obviously the conversations they have about philosophy life their relationship what's happening to them but you know it's, it's a pretty straightforward story of uh, two barbers, one of them has a head bandage uh, on all the time and the other one 
is expecting to see his adult daughter, who he's never met from a marriage from years ago. She's coming to London to visit him, but that's interrupted because he's served with a letter from like a police officer saying you need to be in court because mm. you have been you've basically been reported by a, a police officer for being dressed in drag and being a public nuisance or something. So he, he's super upset about that, and it's also kind of about how Richard Burton feels a bit upset with how he's treated in the relationship. Um, so yeah, and then it's just about them, you know, airing their dirty laundry with each other and dealing with uh, with Try, these problems, isn't it? The film takes some like strange uh, deviations away from that like core story about them and their relationship. Um, and I kind of feel like there is, like, there's potential there. Um, and I, I really liked, once I kind of got past Harrison's odd performance, um, the actual, I liked a lot of the actual dialogue. Um, there was some really funny stuff in there as well, like some of the actual, like, insults and things and the, the back and forth between both of them. It's so um, catty as well. They're just like two bitchy yeah. little queens, just endlessly slagging each other off in a in a but it's very, nice um, but mean way all the time. It's very like like wordy, like literary playwright type of dialogue. Um, yeah, I guess I guess is, slightly Oscar Wilde in a way. Yeah, which I think that that's that might be an acquired taste. Like I know, like I like stuff like that. But I like like bottled stories where it is just like two or three people in a room but you also um, you also like people calling each other tit fists we've a, we, yes <laughs> we've already but, um, yeah go it, on i i think the the thing that frustrated me was they kept going places while they were talking and there never seemed to be much of a reason jimmy sometimes like, sometimes movies aren't podcasts though they they travel around and do well, stuff no, but it's they like, were in that long dress, like half a fart. Yeah, and on the bus, and it made yeah. the the weird like delivery and, and dubbing of a redubbing of the dialogue even more distracting when you were trying to figure out why they were like doing a little tour of the East End. Like, oh, Joe, was a, a, another like you mentioned, like yeah, so so much of it took place in the barbershop and in their house. You go, oh, that's fine, but yeah, to and then to think, oh, that's a play. They definitely wouldn't have gone anywhere else in the play, probably. And then you go, wait. There was a scene where Richard Burton is just playing football with some scouts, <laughs> apropos of nothing, and yeah. they get caught in the rain, and then two peop- two heterosexual young people have <laughs> sex in the rain outside from wherever they're getting shelter. They they just cut from that, going, they oh. They watch them. They watch them have sex, and then we cut away, like, that's got nothing to do with anything. And you go, what the yeah, fuck's that doing in there? Is I wonder whether it was, like, a situation of, like, well, we have this two-man play... But no one will sit through a whole film where it's just two people in a small house talking. We need to we need to make it a little bit more interesting. It's like, well, no, you don't. Like, you just trust the audience and have it all take place in. Because there, were, even by this point, there were plenty of films that did that. We did um, Twelve Angry Men ages yeah. ago. Uh, that's a fucking fantastic film, and it's just twelve men in a room arguing with each other for an hour and a half. Like. It's. I. I feel like this would have been much better had it just had the same narrow focus that the play, you know, mm. has. If you get they did stuff just because it was a film and they wanted to do it a bit differently. Yeah, and there's and it ended up like a lot of it. It felt very padded, and there was a lot of like them just like being outside or being on a moped and all that like really 
no offense to Dudley Moore, but that like shitty sixties like organ like pseudo pop music. <laughs> oh god, this is fucking interminable. <laughs> like, don't don't have your characters get on a bus and go somewhere if it doesn't lead to anything. Like, you don't need yeah. people just. I mean, there was one scene where they step out into a, like a Rex Harrison's. Is he Harry or Freddy or Charlie? Rex Harrison is Harry. Yeah. Charlie and Harry, right? Well, Charlie it? is, yeah. So he, anyway, he's out in the graveyard, getting a bit upset because, uh, you know, he's going to go to court and stuff. So he's like, something sets him off and he runs out. So they have a scene briefly in the graveyard, and this, and then uh, Burton has to go and like, you know, find him and you know, calm him down or something. And you go, okay, that's fine. That plays in. It's just outside their house as well. So you know, that's not straying too far. I mean, although, yeah. like Jamie says, like if it was a bottle thing, where just stay in the house, you that that you don't you I don't mean, even I, put anything else in, really. Just have it be. I did there. To be fair, I did like that little scene where he like uh, defends himself to the jury of the of all the dead people in the graves. That was, oh yeah, and the statue there, of Christ and stuff, and he yeah, he's like are... talking to it as if it's the judge and things. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there are a few like you know I feel like I'm shitting on it a bit too much. Like there are some. Uh, like scenes and little sequences in there where there's more of a kind of um, there's a little bit more flair to how things are, are presented and when that does happen it it works like that scene in the graveyard uh, is a good one yeah. um, and even a, a couple of the scenes with um, Richard Burton's character and uh, his mother um, oh the stuff with his mum yeah. yeah, we touch we touch on uh, both mums briefly. More so, uh, more so, uh, Richard Burton's mum because she lives in the house with them, and she's suffering from arthritis quite in her arms and things. And so there's scenes where they have conversations with her, like Richard Burton feeds her and dresses her against her objections because it's like a pain in the ass when you got arthritis doing anything. So yeah. she's upset and she's going a bit senile. Um, so it does provide a sort of. Uh, another person in the family to care about other than each other, and they're not not that caring. I mean, Richard Burton is doing his obligation, and then on on the flip side, uh, the other one's mum is in a home that he doesn't visit very often because, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, depress- it's depressing, and yeah. she has Alzheimer's, and yeah, like she doesn't remember him no- and stuff. So there's a sort well, there's a sort of suggestion that either she doesn't remember him or she like deliberately like shut like shut down whenever she found out he was gay well i think it's from their age i i just go well that's classic like people in a care home you know they yeah easily confused i did like uh the sequence of her chasing him out of the hospital Again, it's not uncommon. I, you know, I work in a care home, and I can tell you, <laughs> some family members do get a, quite a bad reaction from their relatives. It's, um, and it did that's that scene again. It is one of those scenes that almost felt kind of superfluous, but at the same time, I think that one worked better because it did give enough insight into Harrison's character for you to let the audience understand why he's he seems like such a horrible person. Because he's obviously had an awful uh, upbringing. 
Maybe. Where were Anthony? Where were your sympathies lying? Once we'd gotten to see them a bit, and we're going, oh, it's not a comedy so much as a as a little kitchen sink thing. Were your did your sympathies lie with one person over the other, or what were you feeling? Were they tugging on your heartstrings? I think it's quite clear the sympathy is supposed to be with um, Richard Burton more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, like. Harrison, he had a shaky start, but when he was given uh, something more dramatic, yeah, you know, he he came into his own then. Yeah, the 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 later scenes, whenever he starts um, kind of breaking down as it gets closer to his court case, and he starts getting more aggressive, um, and their fights start getting more dramatic. Um, that was like he did start to kind of sink his teeth into it a little bit more. Like he seemed more comfortable with like, you know, kind of shouting and and berating Richard Burton and that like tension between them really coming out. Um, Yeah. As opposed to kind of earlier on when it's a sort of a little bit more kind of quieter day to day type of stuff. So here, uh, one aspect of the film that we haven't, discussed yet which is a big focus is the old uh wrapped up head of uh burton his noggin is in in bandages or weird little uh medical looking caps or beanies that did work well because for the whole thing i was wondering what the fuck was going on and then when it did uh reveal what was going on it was actually quite shocking and effective. Because they don't address it for a good while. Like, no one mentions yeah. it. It's like, oh, it's normal. This guy just wears bandages on his head. You don't know if he's had an accident or if it's some sort of... Oh, I was thinking, oh, is it something to do with drag? Like, does he keep yeah. his hair wrapped up because his real hair's laid because it's always under a wig or something? I couldn't suss out what that was about. Anthony? Yes? Do you often... End arguments with your partner where you're lying on the ground completely bereft. That happened a lot in their arguments. Oh, every week. No. <laughs> I mean, I do that. What do you think, Abby? Was this um, this cap thing intriguing to you? Did it uh, build to something worthwhile? I was confused because when I I read the blurb. I only scanned the blurb, so I thought, oh, one of them goes to court. So I thought maybe he'd been in a fight and he'd hurt his head. Hmm. And then they were talking about, oh, the other one's going to... What? Oh, he's just bald. What? So I had the wrong end of the stick for most of it, I think. Well, yeah, I think it's it wants you to realise that it's more than just... Uh, I mean, it's sort of... The reveal being it's alopecia is fine. And he goes, okay, so he's got alopecia, no big deal. He's bald, so what? Loads of people are bald. And uh, then you go, oh, okay, he, okay, he's vain and he's a barber. They they played a lot into it, like it's a real deal breaker. <laughs> no one goes to a bald barber. You can't trust a man who has no hair to cut your hair. And it's just like, well, he's he. I mean, yeah, what what what's the thing there? Like you're going, oh, the barber's bald. Therefore, the person who cuts his hair. She is it severely, and I don't. No, barbers don't do their own hair. It doesn't matter what they I mean, look it, like. It's, it's just Rex Harrison's character being petty and and like needling him, which again it, that stuff 
like especially once it reveals the alop i was surprised that it was specifically alopecia like i i I kind of appreciated how I guess how real that was, um, and like the also like the act, actually showing his head with like the the remaining tufts of hair. Um, and then, well, it's more yeah, it's that's... more it's more shocking and more of a, a sad thing than just it's not yeah. like male pattern baldness because if anything the sixties yeah you got male pattern baldness so you'll be coming to the barbers for your haircut then we've got a lovely comb over we're gonna do you. You can you can deal with having a balding hairline when it's the sixties because you've still got hair, you know, technically. So I think alopecia is just so unforgiving that it's it's lame. But you know, he I mean he'd look tougher anyway if he shaved his head all the little bits of fluff yeah. off. But like I think for me the main problem isn't so much that oh it's harrowing to have this disease and coping with it and the the vanity mixed with the fact that when he reveals it and is like I'm, I'm going to be bold and not not have a bandage on anymore and then his partner just makes fun of him and says you can't f- not be a fucking yeah. barber if you look like that you fucking bald-headed kook or he just throws loads of like really upsets him and, and basically wants him to like wear a wig or something but it, it's oh, it's that wig though. Oh. i mean the wig is a different scene altogether but, but stick a pin in the wig only if only to keep it on his head but oh i fuck the bandage thing fucked me off he looked terrible with a bandage on It'd be better to walk around with a bit of bum fluff on your head than like you'd wear the bandage with other berries and things. It's like, do you honestly think wearing a full head cap is more dignified, <laughs> looking like you've just come from hospital, than like having no hair? I was like, I was insulted, but it was I, I like it actually distracted me and annoyed me watching Richard Burton in this stupid like bandage thing. You know, genuinely like, oh, just get that off. And then when he does. It, and it's the reveal of him being bald, and he's upset about it. I felt like, okay, yeah, Rex Harrison's harsh about it, but I don't know. Maybe we should let's unpin the wig. Wig thoughts, anyone? Anthony, I mean, it's your pick. Do you want to have a say on the wig scenario we saw? <laughs> What's to say? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> The shape was terrible, the colour was terrible, but these are all deliberate choices to make him look terrible. It was classic, yeah, uh, classic Lego hair, like the early little black hairdos they had. I think it was more the colour. It's so dark and matte, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Like, maybe if it was, like, a little fairer, it would have looked a little better. Because it had the... It had waves in it and stuff to make it look like it was grown rather than just like a short it wasn't like momolum like job he he looked hilarious and i liked that um he made like uh, so he went like uh, it was after um rex harrison had the epiphany that he's going to be nicer there was a whole thing where when they have a falling out uh charles is it charles i'm gonna get it right Charles is like, no, Harry, fuck. Which is it? Rex Charles Harrison. Is so Charles um, Charles had upset Harry and Harry ran off into the bathroom 
and there was an imp- there was like a suggestion perhaps that he was going to gas himself in the boil with a boiler or something and then yeah. so he's worried that he like breaks in the toilet and saves his uh, house husband or whatever and then and then is like really upset and sorry and doesn't want to be left alone and then it turns out he just passed out in a normal way <laughs> and so he's instantly like oh fuck you you prick for scaring me, <laughs> you by instantly like you. But as soon as you're conscious, you're a bastard. But while you're unconscious and dying potentially, I'm sad and will be apologetic. But after that falling out, he's basically um, Charles is kind of like praying, and like he's he's worried about his court case, but he's also praying that that you know Harry. Yeah. He he's praying that he could be nice to Harry and not just be awful to him like he has been the whole film. They're endlessly just squabbling and bickering and just bitching and mourning and complaining and finding fault in quite humorous ways. But while simultaneously that like acting as if that's normal. Um, but yeah, after the after the prayers and, and stuff, he's actually holding back on the wig comment, isn't he? Like, there's a sense like maybe he would have something harsh to say, but he's being polite and saying nothing. And I liked that it was Harry to go, no, no, do tell me, be your, oh, it's not right when you're nice. I get that sometimes if I pass a compliment. People are like, oh, that's wrong. Just be your usual sarcastic, <laughs> yeah. sarcastic arsehole way and that, that's you. So he he kind of goads him into being mean so that it's, you know, the person he recognises and then he goes too far. Well, he doesn't even go that far, he just instantly he blows up because uh, Harry's all upset then that he said the truth, which is he looks like a... What does he call him? Like a tar-headed buffoon or something? I can't remember. I don't know. I remember when I remember the first one where he says it. Um, what are you going to do? Keep it in a cage? And he laughed at that one. And then yeah. I don't remember what the second one that upset him was. It. So, I think the 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 problem here is, and I don't know if it's. You know, obviously, none of us have seen the play, and I'm not allowed to speculate. Well, um, no, it's not a book you're speculating on. You could speculate like, on the play. It feels like stuff was added to a fairly straightforward story to kind of maybe pad it enough to justify making a movie, which is unnecessary, or extend the runtime or whatever. Um, but I, I feel like the it's it's that classic spoiler-filled problem of the tone is really all over the place, um, and there will it'll be like a lot of the humor that's in the dialogue and in the back and forth between them works, but some of the sequences and I think some of the music as well and just the general presentation makes it feel too light, and then when it gets more serious and more tense, it's really like it like it's too much and it feels like it's coming from two completely different places um like the the scene like the whole scene where um rex harrison brings uh blakey back um like this drunken blonde haired man he's picked up in town somewhere yeah like them fighting in front of him and him laughing at it and then him and rex harrison going in the bedroom but then presumably uh, um, not doing anything because he doesn't really want I to. Think they, well, I think they did. No, like, but he it, says it, he couldn't really do anything. I mean, we wouldn't... But the guy but, I mean, came out with money, though. Maybe he got paid off. Also, who the uh, fuck pays I, for, I for Smiler from Last uh, of the Summer Wine? I'll give you a gum job. Ooh. 
He hooked up with him. He hooked up with him. Are you going to say what you like? They had a few pints, yeah. probably with uh, Francis Bacon down in the old uh, boozer. But, um... <laughs> it's very weird. No, I, the way I took it was that they he kind of like had like weird, reluctant, angry sex with him, and then told him to leave. But he, co- but he uh, confesses afterwards that he did, couldn't do anything with him because he didn't want to. They never. Well, I don't think... Even like, regardless of whether or not anything actually happened, that whole sequence is like sad and and dark in a way that a lot of the like rest of the film isn't. Well, it's really domestically a... sad, isn't it? I mean, it's just a really yeah. abusive relationship. And again, it's there are several scenes like that throughout the film. But it's this like whiplash effect where you're like, "Fuck this!" Like it's exhausting to to watch because it keeps happening so suddenly. Um, uh, one one thing I would say in regard to this aspect uh, is I feel like it's always building like okay, witty banter back and forth, funny slang dialogue, f- different like some of Richard Burton's weird philosophies. He's talking about antennae sex being preferable oh, yeah. to like actual intercourse and that he'd like to have a child and things but like so they they talk about all kinds of stuff and they and it often ends in like uh complaining about each other in some domestic type way whether it's the cutting of nails on a bed or the mess or something uh or how people behave or act or the how one of them didn't want to be a barber and things so they get into these conversations and they mean to each other and so it's funny a little bit, then it gets tense, then it gets sad, and they never really redeem themselves by coming out again and I love you really. Even the I love you reallys are never that nice. They never really have that big upswing of positive emotion because they're so reluctant to be pleasant to each other. You know, what did you? What do you other guys think? Do you, were you happy with the roller coaster you were on, or did, or did it feel feel a little tonally wrong? I didn't feel particularly tonally wrong for me I just yeah just um, <clears throat> like there were there were moments like when especially with the music like right at the end like uh, the last scene where like um, uh, Charles is like going off on his own to the court he's told Harry to stay there and Harry's like watching out of the window and then he calls for him and then there's this kind of like really campy, happy music as he runs mm. down the streets to him, and that you know that happens. As Jimmy's mentioned, it happens a few times. The music is like it doesn't quite fit in with the drama that's going on. But I was, but I didn't find it particularly tonally all over the place personally, because I think it mostly kind of like. You know, fixes on the drama of their relationship, and I guess because it feels realistic, it feels believable as a like these two people feel like mm. oh these are based on reality and actual characters. I mean, I, I, I think the problem for me is it's 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 pulling itself in two different directions. One direction is look how gay these guys are, and the other direction is look how damaged and frail their relationship is. Yeah. And it's really hard to, like, 
like feel what you really should be like it's it should really be focused on that like the latter one of look how difficult their relationship is and also uh, how how hard it is to be gay in the 60s it's illegal yeah. they have both got mother issues they've both had to be closeted and they've uh, they've uh, been bullied or felt like the other so they they're too they like they've had the kind of classic gay struggle of being you know uh, queer and different and, and and punished for it and and it's obviously made them into who they are a little bit and affected how why they tr- treat each other the way they do and all that's quite interesting and yeah. that's like good drama shit and then you have this doo do oh isn't it nice that uh, richard burton can go to the court case about him cross-dressing after he was told you're not coming you they'll send me down for life you know he's basically like it seems it seems yeah. odd to go from the interesting actual gay drama to oh silly bullshit we we love there each is, other through our hatred of each other. There is one song that I did like in it, which was the uh, the forgive them father hymn right. that plays whenever the policeman turns up to like give him the court summons. It's very protracted um, wait for them. Like a, the policeman, the policeman yeah. knocks. They take so long to answer the door. I would have fucked off if I was a policeman. <laughs> but again, it. That song, because you talked about that ending sequence where they it shows them like crossing the road. That song would have worked really well there. Hmm. But no, instead no. we get the weird twiddly pseudo jazz rock. Well, Abby, stuff. Abby, where were you on uh, what this film was going for, and was the relationship more bitter and annoying than it was pleasant and amusing? I don't know it's just I think they were going for like a realistic portrayal of a relationship but in and in that way they succeeded but they sort of failed from like a story point of view it's too too realistic something. something has to happen like we got no conclusion to the fact that uh, Rex Harrison is supposed to be seeing his daughter he's never met. He's speculating about how, oh, if I have my daughter at the court case, it'll help me. He's kind of vain and self-interested a lot of the time. And he's been, obviously, he's not been there for 20 years. Why does he think this woman will even give a fuck? I mean, she's probably there. Like, if she should have turned up, it would have been like some slightly curious person who feels rejected or, or just curious about her father. But he's like imagining maybe, oh, I'm a father. Like, he, I'm maybe, like, I can remarry. Maybe we, you know, he's like a bit deluded about it i think well again it's it's i feel like that's one of those plot threads that like that works really well if you only have these two characters and you have these looming elements that aren't necessarily ever paid off but they are a way for they are a thing for those two characters to talk about that advances the story just through the dialogue and also keeps giving you a little bit more as it goes on because they're talking about you know, his daughter coming to visit. Maybe she can go to court with him. The court case itself. Like, all of that is is works if it's very dialogue-driven. But the, the problem is this: there's too much else happening in the film that takes the focus away from just the dialogue. Part of it is that sort, that sort of stunt-casting-ish sort of kind of feel that it has as well. Yeah. Um, like, I, I feel like if 
you were watching this on stage with just two two guys who you don't necessarily know, uh, you know, just just actors um, yeah. playing these characters, and you don't have any preconceived ideas going in that the story works better because you're more kind of grounded and pulled into it rather than, oh, look at these two men playing gay men. Isn't that, isn't that strange and maybe funny or like, it's, it's, it's a weird, like, it's not, it's, the film isn't focused is I think is the problem. Yeah. For, for me, it's just, are we dealing with the shame? The story itself, like the script is very yeah. focused. But like, you know, we're dealing with shame and pain and years of like building uh, tension in a relationship and developing in quite a poor quality relationship where all you have is your constant abuse. It doesn't seem like they have a proper sex life. It doesn't seem like that's a big deal. This is like a middle-aged married couple scenario. And you've got all this interesting stuff about how two people are dependent on each other. They love each other, but they, they don't show it. They're, they're sort of both maybe a bit frustrated with how their life is, like there's an element of failed actoriness to one of them and the other one, uh, perhaps I could have been a, uh, had a, my own child and things. So they've both got disappointments mm. and all that's in there, but we've also got like, you know, tit face and what are some of the, there's some really funny insults and I can't remember, they're so quick and dated and weird and s- full of slang and bizarre meaning. Sack I, of... remember was, I can't remember who, but someone tells me that I hope your nipples fall off. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. a good one. Yeah. What's the uh, one? We get we get some tasteful uh, shots of Richard Burton having a bath uh, in his little shower cap. And oh, then... the way he calls him fat. Yeah. Like, he calls him a pelican at one point. Yeah, he's just they're trying to, he's trying to get to grips. It's very, very, like... It's just like all of the reads in Drag Race. Like everyone, that's probably why it's that's probably the stuff that works quite well is the fact that it's like a constant read of each other. Like they're endlessly putting each other down, mostly Rex to uh, Burton. But like, just yeah, Richard Burton's in the bath and he stands up and with the camera, you know, it's the sixties. Let's not see cock and balls, thanks. And we pan up and we see that Richard Burton is just you know a slightly flabby middle-aged man but then Rex Harrison lets him know it in a really mean way yeah. and it's like well what do you get out of this do you do you fancy each other obviously not so much I don't know it's just like you're together because you're both gay not because you fancy each other like I don't know well, and then you know for the the that's part of the whole idea of when this takes place and and the the climate that it's in it's like it's very much a it's like it's all marriages heterosexual it's all marriages are like that in the sixties and seventies, where people don't they don't physically love each other. They just they yeah. hate resent each other for the long. If you resent each other for long enough, it's love, right? That's the message. <laughs> there's there's also that kind of feeling of because you know gay men um, aren't allowed yeah. in society. There's always that sense of. Um, like they can't be as committed to each other because they can't get married and they always have to yeah. keep things secret. Yeah, they can't both turn up arm in arm on to church on a Sunday, can they? They, it has to be a private thing, doesn't it? And then it, it, I think if you're forced into being yourself only in private, it does, it does change who you are a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, they can't. They go out and about. They live their life in a kind of. That's fine. Just couple of guys people there's rumors people know them people know that they're gay or whatever but it's not it's not like this the same way as we get 
as it's treated these days, generally, you know? So that that that, that is a different element you can't have so easily anymore. I mean, maybe if your story's set somewhere else other than London, but, like, I don't know. Did, uh, as a piece of history, did, did we like it as, like, a as an archive of, of how people, how homosexuality was treated back in the day? Does it work as a kind of piece of gay memorabilia from the past, do you think? Well, it's quite funny to think of it as, a, like, the British counterpoint to the gay deceivers, because they came out in the same year. <laughs> It's like, meanwhile, in the UK, we're being really horrible to each other. What was the other one? There was the, the lesbian one as well we did. Ah, uh... oh, fuck. It's called my... George? The Killing of Sister George, right? Where, again, we're... it's the lesbian world. We're seeing a look into it. It's affecting people's personal lives. They're again, quite cruel. So the, there's, I think, the, yeah, the 60s was for not just putting gay people in things but really dealing with right there's this subculture called being a homo and it's really ripe for drama and entertainment and sorrow and pain and it's it's like something we want to cathartically deal with and it's for cool risky people not mainstream pap audiences you know so I mean you know it's bold but it's the early days of gay cinema really isn't it I just think it's it's more than anything, it's kind of frustrating because there is the potential for it to be a really effective story about two gay guys who have a very strained relationship at a time when it was already difficult, just culturally, to yeah. be a part of that scene. And it the the film is so like all over the place in terms of what it's trying to say or focus on in particular. But it just sort of squanders what could be an opportunity to really like be a more important, uh, like I guess, slice of of his cultural history. I think yeah. I think one of the problems holding it back is it's so realistic and personal to someone. It can't be this uh, broad appeal. Like it can't be a streetcar named Desire because mm. it hasn't got as many universals. Because it's like who the fuck has a weird like. Oh well, I should rub a dab. Oh, God save us and Oscar Wilde and oh, you're such a bitch. Oh, you always do this. No one, not many people have a relationship like that. So it can't be a kind of. Uh, it can't be something that really, you know, is a timeless classic because it's so it's such a niche world in in a way. Perhaps I don't know. I did read somewhere that this film is kind of like generally regarded as homophobic. I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, and I was just kind of like wondering if you guys kind of like feel that way because, on the whole, I don't. Oh, on the whole, real cheeky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is. I was interested in particular to know what Anthony thought about that. Um, being the only gay in this particular village, that, like, um, like. So what? What think... aspect would be homophobic? The fact that heterosexual actors are playing camp gay men and and they're perhaps doing it with not the respect it deserves, or would it be? I, I mean, you can't really. I mean, the sixties was homophobic. You can't really cite that, can you? Like the fact that the time period. Um, I don't know, we're dealing with stereotypes. Everyone gets a bit um, 
I was going to say butt hurt, but that's not. <laughs> Everyone gets a bit upset when it comes to stereotypes, but you know they they used for uh, for I a reason. It's... What would be what would be the main criticism? I guess because they're because they're quite mean. It portrays gay people as uh, unwarm and unsympathetic. I think that's it. Yeah, I think Abby, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. It's because it, if you're representing gay people and intimate gay lives and nuanced characters, shouldn't they more clearly have love for each other? Well, I think, it's... I think if um, Richard Burton's character didn't care for his mum the way he did, there wouldn't be much to be sympathetic towards. Mm. Yeah, they're, vain, they're vain, aren't they? They're fairly selfish and, and self-interested. And they don't ever really show many signs of positive traits. So in the a way, you're demonising people, I guess. The thing is, though, is that a is that a failing of the story? Because I don't think the play was controversial from the aspect of like potential homophobia. I think it was just the film. So I don't know if that's more to do with. You haven't seen the fucking play. You've gone too far. No, now. but I speculated no. too far. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, it only, it I, I only found that statement in reference to the film, not yeah. to the, to the and I, I Is it because of how, like, the the film, ha- and again, this this is part of that, um, the film kind of tripping itself up in, oh, isn't this so gay? But at the same time, it's trying to tell a really, like, grounded, dramatic, or, you know, dark, darkly funny, but ultimately dramatic story. But at the same time, it's um, you know, ooh, you know, it's got a little bit of that like '60s campy gay man as played by straight men thing going on. I think there's that, a f- like, yeah, there's a little bit of that perhaps. It cheapens that the drama of the the gay story, like the the actual struggle that they are both or struggles that they are both going through is sort of cheapened by the like the novelty aspect of the film yeah perhaps that perhaps that is the direction where the criticism is is valid i I think because sometimes outrage like people go oh it's a bit this or that you could say the same any film that portrays negative characters go oh well shane meadows makes people who are working class all look like horrible racist dickheads and it's like no no it's just about racist dickheads it's not saying this is how you people are i don't think this film is saying this is how you people are i think it's capturing how certain gay people can be in a real in a believable way and then I like mean, people yeah how certain you know types of couples are drawn to each other or how fucked up relationships like, work and or even yeah. within this podcast if anyone was going to be called catty and bitchy i think it would be you and me rather than anthony or abby <laughs> <laughs> you i'll hit your nipples off <laughs> <laughs> um it's also, I mean, this. I feel like this is more of a modern idea of what, like, appropriate representation is. But it's also the idea of these two uh, straight actors playing gay main characters, where part of the point of the of the story is that they are gay. So why wouldn't you cast? Because it's because it's the fucking sixties. It's illegal. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. Say, like, that's more of a modern kind of. Yeah. I, I, this is one of those things that, like, I'd kind of like to see this remade and, like, in a, like, really much more, like, focused, but still set it in the 60s, but have it all take place within this little, you know, 
hairdresser's apartment and have it more like the play where it is just two people. Yeah, I mean, it's not devoid of Cast quality. Seen in David Tennant. Mm. I mean, it's been yeah, more than likely. More, uh, yeah, but still, it's more than likely to happen. It seems like the right, right, right up their alley. Uh, and again, sorry for. Uh-huh. Ooh, uh, misses. Uh, so, Anthony, would you give this no red card, no yellow card on the homophobia? Not that you were the. Not that you speak for all people no, 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 who are gay. You remember, you are, you are speaking for the entire LGBTQ community now. <laughs> yeah. So, you're cool with it, right? I'm, I'd, I'd give it a pass because essentially, you know, it's about two characters and you you learn to understand their motives for being who they are. And it doesn't. And being gay isn't necessarily a big part of that. It's also not shown as a negative thing specifically. Like it's not like a. It's it does focus on the the idea that like they are constantly persecuted for something that is completely meaningless. Mm. Um, it's, it's representation, isn't it? You've made a film about a gay couple, they're in bed together, they're definitely gay, it's about their relationship, well done, you've made a a piece of gay film drama that is not, you know, hiding it away, putting it behind closed doors, don't talk about it, those people don't exist, you know. I also think that any, like, any homophobia is, like, it's it's not... I, I, I don't think you could say that it's, like, intentionally or maliciously homophobic. Like for it, it's time, it's you know, it's not. I'm sure there were people at the time who were offended just at the idea of two gay main characters in a relationship, who like were fucking picketing outside the cinema, going. <laughs> I think. I think if anything, it's damning of men in general who can't look after their mothers, where they just fuck off for ages and get criticised by. Uh, the woman next door for not, you know, for I guess the one scene they come back from like their little scooter jaunt, and then mm. their uh, nosy neighbour because uh, it's the sixties and everyone did stick each other's noses in each other's business. But she, I guess maybe the mum has been crying while she's been there, like needs changing or something, or just feels abandoned. And I then she's, she's bothered the neighbour. She keeps saying that he's not coming back. Like yeah, case. I think I think there's an abandonment that comes with like dementia. Actually, that you know the um, the old lady who plays the mother also does a, like her performance is really good. Like it's really genuine, and like it's a very uh, like a difficult role to play. Where like no, you have to be as as vulnerable and pathetic as you possibly can. Yeah, she's good. <laughs> It's really awful when he's trying to wrestle the clothes off of her to change yeah. her. He does a really yeah. bad job of washing her. He just they have to do like a bed wash. She's like peed the bed at one point, and you go, and she needs she's cleaning, and it's like you cleaned her face, and she stayed Wait, in most of her underwear. Puts, What's going on? Fucking clown makeup on her. That was oh, weird. That was, that was like um, what's that? What's the film? Um, uh, Joker. Whatever happened, Joker. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? It's like, what yeah. the fuck have you done? You're supposed to be gay. You should be able to do makeup, right? Isn't that a stereotype? <laughs> That's the other one. Is it? Did they just? Did they just like give Richard Burton the makeup box and go? Yeah, you try. You can, you can figure it out. Yeah, and then I like she was happy though. I think you would just oh, I, I my, my eyes are so poor. I need it like slathered on that thick so I could see that I'm wearing it. <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I felt I felt kind of, like... 
maybe it's just because I work in the care industry. I'm like, oh, no more fucking stories about sad old mums dying, <laughs> being neglected <laughs> slightly. It just generally dep- depresses me specifically. But, I, you know, I think it, it's a damning... It's just people, you know, it's very hard to look after elderly parents when they're in that state, and it, it's all the harder when, you, I guess, you're that sort of spinstery old person. And there's a little bit of, like... Is uh, Richard Burton's mum niggling him about, oh, when are you getting married? And mm-hmm. I just haven't re- met the right mum. And it's sort of, I guess that's another. I haven't met the right mum. <laughs> oh, Freudian yeah. slip. But I haven't met them. I, I haven't <laughs> met the right uh, gay man who is a woman yet, mum. Uh, but yeah, just that sort of. They bring up the topic of excusing yourself and feeling like oh, it's horrible and polite company because you basically have to feign spinsterhood even though you're perfectly happily gay thanks very much I don't know I feel like it almost missed the opportunity I think that's where I'm going I'm starting to edge towards where Jamie is where it's this could be redone we just need to address it could be better if you did things differently and address things more effectively there's nothing yeah, too bad about it, apart from the fucking... It does get a bit irritated with his repetition and his fucking rub-a-dub. I don't know what the fuck Again, he's talking though, about. I think some of that comes from Max Harrison's strange performance. Get, like in, it doesn't... get in Tennant then, they'll be fine. Or Sheen, whichever <laughs> way. Um, I don't... Yeah, I don't think the issues with the film come from the script. I think, like, the actual... Like the the story at the core of it, and a lot of the dialogue is good. It's just it's presented in such a kind of all over the place way. That's the thing. It's they've put Cockney words into Rex Harrison's mouth, and that does not work on any level. Yeah, maybe they do need to. Be... Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I couldn't let it pass. But I also I'm not smart enough to actually make a joke. So <laughs> say it as a statement. <laughs> Cockney, brilliant. And you try, you're trying to delicately talk about homophobia in cinema, and then it's like, ah, Cockney. Cockney. Yeah. <laughs> I think it needed, yeah, you need people who can either be Cockneys realistically, or just, yeah, you, but then, you know, you, you weren't going to make it with actual gay actors in the 60s. I mean, you could have, it's not out of the realms of possibility. Um, I don't know. Did, Abby, did you feel overall you were happy with it, or would this never really be your cup of tea overall? it was fine i think it's just it's some of the issues have sort of aged out of it where mm. we watch it now and go oh, this is this there's nothing wrong with this whereas well, at the time people would have there would have been various controversial points throughout and we're just like oh, yeah it's fine it's fine to be bald it's fine to be a bald hairdresser or barber it's fine to be gay you can actually get married now uh, the care system is a lot better for mums. People can work their issues out in therapy a little easier. And gay men can adopt kids now, too. Yeah, there's really, you know, you do a modern version of this, it's fucked because there's no issue apart from maybe people need to work through their insulting each other as a form of love. But that's guys, though, isn't it? Are you all problems for gay people have been solved <laughs> you have to go like further afield to more conservative uh, parts of the country or it's other countries it's it is it would actually it would be an interesting uh, kind of challenge i think to 
make this and set it now, like certain things you would have to shift or change. And it, but again, you would be more focused, which is part of what this film needs. You would be more focused on the core relationship of the characters and the like tension between them rather than the bigger picture of them just being gay. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it, it, I found it, I found it a really frustrating film. I will say I don't quite understand the, this, there's a lot of vitriol aimed at it beyond the idea of it being homophobic. Um, it's quite, I, I think it's cause it's so negative, isn't it? There's no, like yeah, I th- one of the main problems is it's just, it's too much. It's like, it's sad mum shit. It's a presumably failing fucking barbershop that never has any customers. It's a court case that doesn't we don't see the resolve in. It's a sad time for gay people, and it's not a very good relationship. So there's not a whole lot to hold on to positively. It, has a, it, 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 it evokes a similar thing to a particularly miserable episode of EastEnders. Mm. Yeah, a little bit. Which is any episode of EastEnders. Yeah, yes, it does feel like a soap opera tale. Um, Anthony, then, so you didn't know what it was. You put it to us. We've all sort of batted it around and got to grips with uh, Richard Burton's stupid hair wig thing, <laughs> Rex Harrison's inability to be fully committed to camp. But uh, what you know, what were your, I guess, final thoughts or any additional thoughts that you think we skipped over? We could have talked about. Overall, I did enjoy it. And I think that's due to the the strength of the writing on the main part. Um, it's just like it, like we've been saying, it's just it's good dialogue a lot of the time, and for the most part, I think like uh, Harrison and Burton play off each other very well. Hmm. Um, in some aspects, it's quite dated because like a lot of the issues aren't quite so big anymore. Mm. But then I think it's kind of in like, certain aspects it's kind of aged well because like uh, people can like distance themselves from <clears throat> um, it being Harrison and Burton these days because you don't really know much about them. So I think uh, like people watching it like a modern audience might not have so many connotations towards the two of the actors. They might not be so off put by it. Um. I, I, I can't disagree with um, your guys' like, criticisms, I suppose. Fucking better not. <laughs> um, but, like, o- overall, I did enjoy it. Like, it did, it did take a while to start enjoying it. But once, like, there was a, a bit more drama with, like, the, the stuff around the trial. Mm-hmm. I did feel it got a bit more meaty, and uh, yeah, I like it. I think for me, one of the major positives is I had so much more. Like, there's so many phrases in there that amuse me, <laughs> and so many, so many catty putdowns, like, and just strange sayings and slang and stuff. Like the the was it like slap your nipples off? Was it? I hope your nipples fall no, off. No, I hope right? your nipples fall off. Yeah, yeah. And that's the weird stuff, like when he was saying, like, I hope your hair grows so thick that it starts coming out your eyes. Yeah. Like that, like, <laughs> There's a lot of weird shit they say. One of one of them was like, yeah. one one simile I liked was I, uh, I feel like a whore in a choir boy's orgy. 
That was quite a good one. Uh, there was, there really was a lot of really good. I would, I would, um, like, I would really like to see the play version and just see two actors perform this, um, at, like, I guess properly, like as it kind of needs to be performed. I feel like it would be really entertaining to like just hear all of this dialogue, like live, and and you know have that kind of atmosphere. I think it's it's a little bit flat is one of the problems in in this. Apart from like the scenes where it really does just focus in on the two of them. Yeah, I think we need some authentic gay men to really give the lines of dialogue the commitment they need. And from a perspective of people who are like more experienced doing like the kind of RuPaul's Drag Race style bickering. Like we're in a culture now of like uh, a big, uh, there's a big fan base for what is essentially just catty put downs, people reading each other, bitchy online YouTube videos. Like there's a huge, huge, you know, subcultures of just essentially what this film is film is full of which is just like slagging each other in a very mean barbing way it's just now we've learned to do it where we know it's all a big joke it's not some harrowing awful thing in a relationship well an example of it done well is the uh whenever we did uh priscilla queen of the desert yeah, no, I suppose so. Yeah, like it's just a, it feels a little lighter and more fun and less like I'm doing it because I h- hate my life <laughs> and I'm sad that we're all old and shit looking. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. There's definitely a middle age aspect to it where you know they're past yeah. their prime and they maybe it's a little bit uh, meaner because they feel you know it's sort of lashing out at people for what is essentially your own problem or whatever anyway, do, do we get to why it's called staircase because something something life metaphor something gives a shit uh, no it's, no I don't. <clears throat> they do usually, fight on a I'm staircase good at, I'm usually pretty good at reading too much into things but this one's escaping me no I think we ended on the fucking song over the credits again because it was such a piss poor I, song I Turned it off immediately as soon as that started. <laughs> like no, I like I love Dudley Moore as a as a comedic actor, but fucking hell, the music in this was. Oh. Well, love is a strong word. Abby, what was the film you were watching where Dudley Moore had a surprise sex bed that he pulled out and bar and things? What was that? Foul play. Foul play. Yeah, I that's what I think of when I think Dudley Moore. So I mean, that, he is playing a sex pest, but. Yeah, he always seems a bit grubby to me. He is funny, though. I'll give him that. He is funny. I mean, him and Peter Cook together were great. Another foul-mouthed genius at comedy. And Abby, I guess, you uh, have any final thoughts? Any last notes you want to mention? Well, we mentioned the antenna sex. He also mentioned horse ovaries at one point. Yeah, what was that about? And just when he was drinking hair, Sora. <laughs> and then vomited it into a top hat because why the fuck would you the gin has run out obviously hair tonic is what I need but mm. other than that like I said earlier the main problem with this is just it's sort of aged out of relevancy a little bit so there's nothing wrong with it per se it's just it doesn't have the same impact as it did because of the distance we are from it now 
Yeah, it's not singing in the rain. <laughs> it doesn't stand up quite as well. But, uh, yeah, there we go. I'm singing because I'm gay. My barber shop's lame. I'm bald and wear a bandage, and my boyfriend's a pain. Blue, 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 blue. My mum's got arthritis. I'm depressed, and my boyfriend's got a court. <laughs> no encores. No refunds either. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, we've uh, ambled all over the staircase and trampled it dry or whatever fucking phrase you want to chuck at me. All of our nipples have fallen off. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, we're all going to tootle off for a quick pint and see if we can have sex with the bloke from (laughs) Mutiny on the Buses. (laughs) Oh, his laughing was just so uncomfortable. You're in someone else's house and you're laughing at them fighting. You're so inappropriate, you drunken old twat. Issues. He's the perfect... He was supposed to be some sexy young... He did say the best, the youngest you could manage. It's like, yeah, not much younger. Yeah, he was a perfect look, wasn't he? <laughs> For the... Oh, dear. This is a yeah. mistake. Anyway, uh... My insults to that guy aside, toodle pip. Bye. Bye bye. Rubber dub, blah blah blah. There wasn't a good opportunity for me to talk about Richard Button butchering a chicken. I didn't oh, have no. that much to say about it. It just freaked me out a little bit. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. Just cut and the the bin of all the rubbish. Oh. Just chopping a chicken oh. up and waggling knives about and. Oh, take just out the slop. Take yeah. out the slop, yeah. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take out the slop. Yeah, oh, the chicken thing was a bit wrong. But you mentioned it now. I have mentioned it.